So this week was really the first time I think we're going to really put this, what seemed like a bright idea um, several months ago, to the test. Uh, what if we have these little shorter series of lessons where we talk about a topic for three or four weeks, and then we just reflect as a community and read the Gospel of Mark? And like the very first time, it seemed to like really lend itself into it so naturally because it was, we just talked like we had a conversation about the Bible at a more meta level, right? What is the Bible? What do we do with it? All of that stuff. And it's like, hey, let's read the Bible. And we did, and um, we came back, and we had what I thought was a really great conversation. Um, a lot of it was kind of at that meta level, though, about what was it like to actually read this whole thing end to end and together and some things that we heard and whatnot. And so here we are now, we're going to do it again. And I confess I'm a little, I'm a little anxious about what this conversation is going to be like. There's a party that's wondering, it's like, did anybody even read it the second time? Because it was just like four weeks ago that we did this. Um, and then, and even still, it's like, okay, you're reading it, and, and I don't know, Mike, it's, it's the same story. It's the same Gospel of Mark. Maybe you read a different translation. Maybe, maybe you read it instead of listening to it or listened to it instead of reading it. Um, so let's, let's really put this down to the test and see what... What has happened since the last time that we did that? Now, of course, here on Sunday mornings, we've, we've been having a conversation about friendship, right? Try, trying as best as, as we can as humans to come up with another way to try to describe God to each other, right? Which is kind of impossible to do. And so we come up with analogies and metaphors and things. And this one, well, I thought was pretty good. It was like, it's like a friend, and there are some attributes of friendship that definitely, I think, apply to God and to that relationship. And there are probably some others that don't necessarily. Um, but So we talked about that. And last week we talked about, I remember, specifically vulnerability, um, which this, this passage here that we just read um, is another fun thing that I get to do uh, every week. A couple of days before Sunday, whoever's curating will text me and say, what passage are we reading again from the scripture? Because it just says Mark. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've got to pick one. How do you pick one when the topic is the whole thing? Um, but this time, I, I, as I was reading through it, I looked and I was like, this, this is such a great encapsulation of what we've been talking about. Again, like God, how do you comprehend God? Well, fortunately for us, one of the he's God has recognized this and is trying to bridge the gap and actually became one of us, which helps a lot. Um, and so you see in that picture right there, this, this image of God becoming vulnerable in front of his, those that are closest to him. Right? He takes the disciples aside and says, I want you to wait here and pray for me. His entire group, pray for me. Um, I wasn't paying attention when I read the whole thing, but I don't know if he's asked them to pray for him before. And then he takes three and really pours out and says, this is just overwhelming to me, what I'm about, what I'm going through right now. Like, he really opens up to him. And then he goes off a step further, and then it's just him and the Father. And he really lets him have it. And so you kind of see this, this like, concentric circle of relationships 
that, uh, that Jesus shows for us. And then I wanted to extend the reading all the way to the point where it ended there, too, because you see at the very end, one of the twelve that he called that were like with him, that he wanted to be with him, that were his friends, came to betray him. And the way that he did it, too, with that greeting, Rabbi, and the kiss, and then he's arrested. And so, I don't know, that's just, that's a picture to me that makes it just a little bit easier to wrap my mind around an aspect of God. So that's one of the things that jumped out at me this week. Now, I know we read not just that chapter, but the entirety of the book. So, um, let me just, let me open it up to everyone here. What was... What was your experience reading this thing again for the second time um, just after about a month or for the first time if you didn't do it last time? John. I've heard that I use the link that you sent. Um, and, and there's a dramatic, not dramatic uh-huh. option. I put the dramatic. Yeah. And that was helpful to me because... The not dramatic, I think I would tune it out more without the voices and without all the ambiance and all the other sound effects. Because it's kind of like the same old, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know, I know what's going on. That reminds me of what Beth said in the presentation of Sharon, is that for me, the, the, the doxology was, it's kind of, I think physical church is kind of, that's just part of this thing. Okay, we got a good saying, you read it, yeah, yeah, those things, those things. But to have this charge would wake me up as opposed to the big organs. You know, the way that Sharon read it was not boring, was not dead, was not rote, was not a computer voice. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, it was that, it was that um, the frame or, or the texture or the color to what was already there that made me alive and alert and attuned to it that I would otherwise not. Because I've heard this from teaching times. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that. And absolutely, like it's easy to tune out while you just read it or hear it in the same way. And so, any ways of making it feel more. Thanks, John. I think reading this as a grown up, um, it's it's hard for me to switch my lenses of the way that it was presented to me growing up mm. and now as a grown-up, like, I feel like, and I have a lot of appreciation for the way that I grew up and the way that we were taught the Bible, but in the many aspects there was, here's the story, here's what it means. And now I'm reading these, I'm like, this doesn't make sense in that lens, like, at all. Um, and I kind of go through the gamut of emotions. Of, I feel so emotional hearing Sharon read it, and then I feel, like, angry emotional thinking about, like, Jesus saying, anything is possible to him to believe. Like, and you're like, well, that's a load of bull crap. Like, I've never seen that happen. You know, like, just trying to figure out how that fits into my adult context of faith and who Jesus is in these stories. I'm like, what message did he want us to get from me? It's, um, it's just, I felt, I felt like a lot of emotions started up reading it this week. Like, I feel so, uh, there's so much culmination and redemption in some of it some of the story and some of it is like but like when I was a kid I thought oh anything is possible to him who believes or little girl get up or you know anything like this but now as an adult I'm like wait a second mm. 
Thank you. Yes. I confess I didn't read all of Mark closely, but in the spirit of Mark, I read through it quickly. Um, <laughs> I think it's appropriate. <laughs> he immediately he turns the page before yeah. finishing the song. Ancient manuscripts actually have that. Um, I was, <laughs> in my quick reading, uh, I was struck how, you know, we com- we've commented and joked about the speed at which Mark and yeah. the story moves, but I, I was struck at the like, Jesus always seems to be on the move. Um, he's always in another place. Mm-hmm. And then he went, and then he went, and then he went. And some of it is timely thinking like, the last four weeks have been really busy for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, how afraid I become. Uh, I'm feeling like I just don't have bandwidth. Uh, my, my my temper and uh, ability to get irritated heightens. And thinking about one of the most remarkable things for Jesus for me is his ability to be present. Um, I was struck in in the quick reading how even with that fast pace moving to the next place, I mean he has places of rest, but he all, he maintains his capacity to be present. And what um, how much I long for that. Like, I long for people to do that for me, and I long to be that. Um, uh, and seeing it somewhat miraculously, like knowing my own life and knowing the pace at which we move, that a miracle for me is... Uh, thanks for coming, Izzy. Um, <laughs> uh, is, is Jesus' ability to be present, to see the person who's right in front of him um, fully, and not, even though the story moves quickly... There's not an urgency to move on. Uh, really, for most of Mark, he's, there's a sense that I'm going to be with you. Anyway, um, that stuck out to me for the first time in any of the times I've read Mark before. I like that. Thanks for sharing that. That, that reminds me, too. Um, I was reading it yesterday, and um, Megan and Owen had gone to do errands, and Henry was just moaning about being bored and having nothing to do. So I decided I'm just going to read this out loud and he's just going to have to listen to it. Um, Which, uh, so, at one point through that, he asked me, he's like, Daddy, does Jesus not like crowds? That's an interesting question. I was like, well, why why are you at, why why do you ask? And he says, well, like, he keeps running. He keeps like he gets he gets in the boat to go away, or they go to the other side, or they go over here and they go over there. I was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. And, and I was like, you know, he does. He's he's. And we went back and looked at a couple. It's like he's he's trying to find time either to be by himself or to be with his disciples. And I said, Henry, you know, sometimes you like to have alone time. He's like, yeah, I do. I was like, well, sometimes Jesus wanted it too. And what he wanted to be with his disciples so that he could, like, tell them things he didn't want to tell everybody else. But to your point, then, every time, like, that a crowd showed up, he's like, all right, I'm going to stay here and talk to them. I just, I can't not. Um, I can't just ignore them. I have compassion on them. At one point, it's like, they look, they're like sheep without a shepherd. What am I going to do? You know? Um, but anyway, I thought that was, a, that was an interesting seven-year-old observation um, of the story. 
Yeah, I wonder about that. Sarah. Growing up in church, and he was like, I need to read Luke because Luke is a physician, and so he's very factual, he's persuading someone, he's like rational, you know, because we're rational, so Luke is the one who used to convince people, and that's mm-hmm. all of our scientific observations of Jesus. And I just love Mark because like, he's such a real, in Mark, Jesus is such a real person. Um, he's so, like when he, like when he calls, Peter, he calls the four by the seaside, and then they kind of do some stuff, and they go to Peter's mother-in-law's house, and he, like, heals her, you know, and everyone's coming to him, and, like, I don't know, it just, there's just, like, a tenderness there, there's just a, like, he sees the people, he sees Peter, he doesn't just say, leave all your stuff, and now let's go, you've got busy work to do, he's like, I'm going to take care of your family, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to ask you to do something safe, I'm going to show you how to take care of your family, and then, like, there's just a, or like the crowds come and follow him and he's like, let's give them something to eat. Don't just tell them to go away. They'll, I mean, he's just taking care of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just, I don't know, when I read it, I'm like, that's, that's the kind of person that like, we're supposed to be. I don't know, I just see it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks. But I get it because that's kind of like the way I looked at it this time. It was, it was more of maybe bringing me into the picture as I read it, and more of, one, looking at Jesus, because that's our model, and what, how does that apply to me on a day-to-day basis, and to, you know, oh, you little faith. I was like, that's me, that's me. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like putting yourself in it as you're reading it, and it's like, oh, that's me, that's me. I, 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 I get that, and... You know, and, and kind of seeing yourself in the middle of it too, but also looking at it from a perspective of, you know, what is it about Jesus that's so attractive? And I want, I personally, for me, want that same kind of attraction in my life that somehow, some way, and I, I'm not sure I know how to get that, is to draw people to me. Not for me, but because they see something, they see Jesus in me. Maybe they don't know that's what they're seeing, but that's who comes out. So looking at his life and making sure I'm trying to do that. That's great. Thanks. I think I noticed, and to kind of piggyback on Julie and Terry, of like, after every story, it's always who didn't believe and who didn't understand. Like, they didn't understand, they didn't believe, you know, and, and... as we were growing up and listening and reading this, we could, like, giggle at the people who just didn't understand. You know, they just didn't get it, guys. That's how they taught us in Sunday school. But we know, like, we knew, we know what the final thing was and what Jesus was trying to do. And the more I read it as a grown-up, like Julie said, I'm like, well, we still don't get it. (laughs) Um, I'm so glad I got it at eight, at nine years old. That was thrilling. But it, it just... As you get older, you're like, oh, you know, we used to kind of tease them for not knowing, being like, if they didn't understand, you know, what Jesus was trying to do. and But we do, and we're so glad that we understand that we do. And then you read it as a grown-up, and you're like, but wait, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I under, I now more understand the disbelief and the questioning and the doubt 
as I get older. Um, but, yeah, to have that assuredness as an elementary school student would be lovely right about now. <laughs> beautiful and sort of this like tenacity of like you don't understand but you're like still willing to engage and try like mm-hmm. I think growing up I thought of the people that like didn't understand or didn't believe didn't get it it was like oh they just didn't get it and they went away and like like that was it like you didn't get it you're gone like you're out or whatever and no it's this like like to me that's like really inspiring of this like I don't get this I'm I'm still working at it. I'm still I'm still going with I'm still going with you even though I have no idea what you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. I just think when I read it, okay, we see that Jesus is tender. Like I see all these things that Sarah's mentioning, but then I just think to myself always, like thousands of years later, what is Jesus hoping we're gonna get from these stories about him? Like what is he hoping that we're gonna clean about him from reading these stories? Like what is that that I'm not sure that that's ever evolving, but yeah. um, that's always the question, I guess. But yeah. specifically, some of these stories of Mark, I'm like, what? Like when he says everything is possible to him who believes, like, what did he really like? What did he want us to understand from that message? Like, I know sometimes I wish he'd turn to the camera and Thank you. What struck me in hearing it was, 
would read or hear a sermon is just a passage or a chapter or a paragraph. But here this whole uh, saga unfolding and going and going and, and the numerous times of the deliverances and the numerous times of healing. So you have specific stories of healings and then everybody brought people to healing and he held them all and I'm going, okay, now, and then we get to these intellectual money bucks in our generation that say, he wasn't God, he was just a man. Okay, just a man goes around and heals everybody. And, 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 the, and I love Baptists, I love Charismatics, because Baptists can't see the deliverance. They don't see, they try to explain away the deliverance mm-hmm. and how that was a credibility for his divinity. See, all these smarty pants people that try to say that he wasn't God. But, but and then, we, and then look at the Bible. I say, how can you say he healed all these people, he delivered all these people, they're completely changed, the, 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 you know, but he wasn't God. I'm going, huh? Are, are you just trying to bring your, your cynicism and your, and your, are you trying to make him human and not let him be what the Bible says he obviously by evidence? Just to say the words, I am God. The evidence is like overwhelming, but you're not you're not letting it in. You know, you have all this evidence, but you're not you're not letting the evidence speak for itself. What? Yeah, that. I know we're talking about Mark, but that reminds me just of I think it's First Corinthians, where Paul talks about this message that's the gospel is foolishness to most people. And it's almost as if there's this other way of knowing. It's not like it's not like a sit down and rational because of all, all of the even in the in that day, all of the rational, smart philosopher people that were spending a lot of time and effort thinking about the nature of the world and looking and understanding and they looked at this story and they said, This is absurd. And even the, the Jewish people you see it you see it with the Jewish leaders in the story and outside of the story looking at looking at it and going, This is scandalous. We our, our Messiah, our Savior, can't be killed by the thing that he's here to oppose. And yet somehow this, this group coming from those disciples out into the world that brings us here today, like, it's like we know it. And we can, we can look at that, these same stories that other people look at and somehow dismiss, and we look at that and we go, I don't know that I fully understand everything in there. But I can read it and I can see what's going on and there is something here that says this is true it's powerful thank you John And I was just thinking about that when I read it, and I was like, 
He's doing all this stuff and he's not saying, I want you to love what you to be to everybody. He's mm-hmm. just loving them and he's not saying, I want you to be people. Mm-hmm. He's just feeding them and he's not saying, like, there's a lot of things he doesn't say, he just does things. Yeah. And he like, like, don't aren't you paying attention? Look, you know? Yeah. I don't know, because I, I, yeah, I feel like sometimes with church, especially with the Pharisees, it's like, I just remember feeling like, God has this way, and if people don't live up to God's way, mm-hmm. then we don't have to have compassion for them. And I know that sounds really harsh, but what I mean is like, like, if someone is in sin, then ask them out, right? All these kinds of things. I don't feel like Jesus, Jesus didn't look at people by a list. He didn't measure them by a list. He like looked at them by a list. And he actually saw them and he helped them. And so, I don't know, to me that just, like it's certainly differently than having a list of rules or having a list of requirements or, I don't know, just a different way to look at people and to look at things. And to look at the things that Jesus told us. Like, it doesn't all much put in the system. Yeah. No, that's good. Oh, yeah, like he, he sees the person and... And I've, I've found in my life, whenever I'm like quick to judge somebody, and but when I really get to know that person and hear their story mm. and what's happened to them, like we all have different paradigms, and there's a reason we have those. Like it's not like we woke up one day and said, well, I want to do this, you know? I mean, yeah. it's like you're born, these things happen as you grow up, you know, like you're around. And, and I think... Jesus chooses to see that and to know there's more than what I'm getting here at face value. You know, like, why are you the way you are? You know, why do you cheat people on their taxes and take all their money? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a reason why he got to this, you know, that he has got to that point. It's like he, I don't know, I'm just, that was a random example. But, yeah, I mean, I think just knowing the person's that's that's really powerful too and again going connecting to what you said what Sarah just said about that example like that Jesus went and found Levi and he said follow me and then and then in the next scene he's hanging out with all the tax collectors and the religious people are flipping out about it um, but that's exactly what he's doing he's listening to their story he's he's hearing it from their perspective and he's bridging that gap and going going to where they are. I love it. To me, I almost like to think that <coughs> Jesus is seeing himself in them. Like, if we, if, like, I can see myself in somebody else, then I can probably love them. Mm-hmm. You know? But if I see, if all I see is an other, I won't ever be able to Thank you, everybody, for sharing this morning. This was this was a great discussion. Um, better than you expected. Better than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much so that I say let's do it again in about four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh.